This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined by David Hughes. How are you getting on, mate? Still no haircut? No, I, I was complaining before, wasn't I, that... Um, <laughs> You know, I thought I thought we were going to be recording post Tuesday when I'm booked in to get my hair done, and we're not. So <laughs> I'm gutted to have to go back to the cap one more week. But um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I'm, I'm concerned about now is I feel like I'm putting a lot of pressure on me uh, on me barber <laughs> to get to do me a good haircut because if it looks terrible afterwards, then it's going to have all this suspense for nothing. But um, yeah, for one more week, make the cap. Yeah, I'll reassure the listeners that I'm due in on the 15th. So you've got nine more days of me looking like a caveman. Um, but for those who are listening, you know, I suppose you're the, you're the beneficiaries because you aren't having to deal with the current hair, hairstyles on view. Um, so we've got plenty to get through today. Um, looking back at City and Villa, sadly, and looking ahead to Brighton. And Burnley, but as well as that, I think it's it's probably prominent enough for us to talk about Thiago um, being quite prominently linked in the media. Um, lots lots of talk on Twitter, social media, and stuff like that. So we'll just have a chat about you know whether it makes sense what what your initial thoughts are about, about any kind of rumor and whether it's legit and. And stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, just general thoughts, Dave. When you, I suppose, when you when you first seen the link, mm. I, to me, it, when this is when I first saw it, I think it's got a little bit more legs in it now. Um, judging from things that have been said, um, obviously, Klopp didn't dismiss it after the game against Aston Villa yesterday. I thought initially that it was very much paper talk. Um, just because it, it seems a very um, not not really a Liverpool sign. You're taking things such as his age and um, you know potential salary he may be looking for. There's no doubt he's a fantastic player, um, but that midfield that Liverpool got the, the, the fairly well stocked. You know, one player could be leaving, which I assume we'll talk about shortly, which which may open the door for his sign. And but on the whole, yeah, I thought it, it, it's a little bit of a bizarre one even despite the fact that he is a he's a brilliant player yeah that was my that was my thoughts as well to be honest when i first saw that my face was just total nonsense absolute nonsense um i would have been i was 95 percent sure that it was just garbage and i was going to tweet that liverpool would not be signing tiago it's, it's you know it's not even worth thinking about but i've, I've since been surprised at how reluctant Liverpool journals have been to to shoot it down. Um, obviously, former Liverpool echo writer James Pearce has, has been a little bit has teased it. Let's say <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Paul Joyce as well has followed Thiago on Twitter, um, and there's been various outlets from Brazil, I think, where Thiago's originally from. I think um, Spanish outlets as well. I think in Germany it's quite. It's quite recognised now that he he does want to leave, does want a new challenge. I think it's it, it just didn't make sense for me, largely because of his age. But on, in addition to that, I suppose his his profile as well. He's really technical, not the most physical. I'm not particularly sure on his physical capacity, but you know the legs in Liverpool's midfield. You don't really associate Thiago with that. Um, I assume his wages will be. Substantial. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be, you know, breaking wage structure type deal, but I think he'll be on a decent wage. So, yeah, but particularly the fact that he's 29, I just thought it's, it's not a deal that Liverpool would chase. But the, the more it was not getting battered off and not getting shot down, I just started thinking to myself, how on earth could this deal make sense? Like, is this something we're not thinking about here? Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think of was a uh, wine album. Now, I tweeted about this, but Wijnaldum is the same age as Thiago, he's 29, and his contract runs out next summer, and there's been no 
there's been no you know no word really about how his how his new deal looks you know whether it's going to happen or not um and i think if you consider what Ryan Allen does for Liverpool, like the, the the common the common perception for some reason is that he's a he's a box to box midfielder, and that's open to interpretation. And I think he is in certain matches, particularly big ones that he's become renowned for, like Barcelona and and, and games like that. But I think week to week, that's not the role he plays for me. I, I don't know about you. No, I agree. Um... You know that kind of brings me on to the point of I've, I've saw a lot of uh, comparisons certainly on you know the likes of Twitter since the links have become more relevant, shall we say? Um, and a big thing people have been flagging is uh, the difference in creative output between the two. Um, but I'm not really having that because Thiago obviously looks so much better compared to Van Alden. But you know you've got to remember that at, at Liverpool is. His game is pretty self-sacrificing, isn't it? Um, mm. In terms of that midfield three, you know, he, he gives up a lot of what he can offer to do the job that Klopp wants him to do and to make the, the balance within that side so so efficient. Um, because I, I, I do believe, you know, while Naldum can be a, a more creative player because we've seen him do it, you know, he does it at international level, doesn't he? He plays a bit higher up the pitch and when Klopp's needs him to, he's, he's being that kind of more of an attacking entity uh, you know, you could argue probably done that in Newcastle as well. I don't doubt he could do it, but he doesn't do it in this Liverpool side. You know, he is again. I use that term self-sacrifice, and that's a lot of what he does at Liverpool. He does it really well, and I just want you know reiterate the point you made about you know will Thiago have that same engine? Because I think what what Juan Aldum does really well is press off the ball, and that doesn't really seem what you know Thiago's about. He is an unbelievable technical player. Um, but it's it's not quite the like for like. I suspect that maybe um, maybe others are expecting. Yeah, I I agree. It's not a like for like, but it's, I I feel as though the the, the profiles are similar enough for Thiago to be to be able to do Wijnaldum's role quite well if he was to come into Liverpool's team. Like when I tweeted this, some fellow responded to me and said, uh, "Thiago's not a box to box. He's a register, something like that." Straight after after I had um after I, after I commented, I, I blocked blocked them on Twitter as well. I don't need that, mate. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at Thiago's game, I mean, he obviously really really technical, and I I think he's he, he what he does for Bayern Munich a lot is is the whole dictating the tempo and keeping things ticking over, and all attention and that sort of stuff and. I think Klopp spoke about Wayne Allen a few years ago, a few years ago, a few weeks ago, and he, he I found it interesting that one of the things he described about Wayne Allen yeah. and what Wayne Allen's improved at Liverpool, he specifically said he's improved the strategic aspects of his game, and I think that's a good way to describe Wayne Allen's role. Really, he's he's a very strategic player, does stuff under the radar that might not register in terms of quantifiable stuff, but. He's a he's a bit a big difference maker on the field. Keeps the team compact, and wins his duels really efficiently. And as I said, he, each year he seems to post like a a passing accuracy percentage of like ninety percent. And you know, passing accuracy is not a particularly valuable stat, but I, I do think it offers an insight into what he does specifically because I think he's he, he just it's hard to explain really. He just keeps the he keeps the plate ticking over Liverpool. He just keeps Liverpool in control. If you like, yeah, um, and I think Thiago, although he's been used as you know as part of a double pivot to Bayern Munich and occasionally as a number six and stuff like that, I don't think it's it, it's that that I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on what you what you would need in terms of skills to do what Wayne Allen does for Liverpool, and I think you need to be really good on the ball, press resistance, intelligence, um, not the type to, to be attacking both boxes with really dynamic runs. You'd have to be kind of in control of your own game, really. And I think although Thiago's not not the most offensively active, I think he's he's just a really clever player and I think he's intelligent intelligent enough to fit into Liverpool's system with everything else remaining the same and just performing as Ryan does really. Doing doing you know fulfilling his responsibilities sort of thing. 
Mm. Yeah, potentially. But then, do you think there could be a chance that he, he is maybe thinking about adjusting that um, the four three three to the four two three one, and then potentially using him in the double pivot? Despite what you're saying there, you, you know, I, I wonder if maybe that does cross his mind because um, he'd obviously be, you know, a perfect player to go in there. Um, but yeah. yeah it's possible, but in that scenario, with us not signing Werner, especially, mm. I, that would mean, you know, Liverpool's front three would be playing alongside Arigi or Minamino or, um, you know, Wilson or Shaqiri if they stay, so, which isn't that much of a problem, but I, I think in, in that case, I'd rather opt for a, th- a third midfielder, I think, as opposed to a, a fourth attacker, because I, I think the third midfielder quality is above fourth attacker quality yeah. um, but I, I just think that with the way Liverpool operate in terms of out, outcome, outgoings and, and incomings with Wijnaldum having a year left on his deal if he's maybe indicated to the club behind the scenes that he's not signing Liverpool might not be willing to lose him for free and I'm just thinking if he's kind of earmarked the move if that's the word in the club and Liverpool think okay Wijnaldum's leaving how are we going to replace him? Ideally, navigator, but I don't think he's available enough. Curtis Jones, okay, but he's, I think he's still 19. Maybe you don't want to give him that burden. Mm. So I think, I think maybe they're looking at Thiago as a, a potential option for like the next three years, which is probably what they want to sign Wijnaldum down to, to just be another Wijnaldum really for another three years to, to kind of let, give Keaton more and give Jones more time. Mm. After the three years, I expect Thiago to probably leave for free. Um, and, you know, people have mentioned that Thiago's injury prone and stuff like that. I, I get that. But he's still played. This season, he played about 2,600 minutes in all competitions. Um, about 1,700 minutes in the Bundesliga. Um, I think that's if you've got Naby Keita there and you've got a Keita Jones who's a bit more ready, I think getting 2,000 minutes, 2,000 Premier League minutes out of Thiago for the next few seasons, I think that'd be that'd be fine. Mm. I don't think we'd be signing them as a wine album to play every single week, but I think it'd just be basically to give Keita more time and stuff like that. that that's kind of my view, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and I do get that. Um, I agree with a lot of that. I think the, as I said, the only frustration I was finding over this past week was this idea that um, that he's better. a little bit, yeah, just that kind of, you know, yeah. he, he's a well Alden, but he'll come in and um, create a lot more, and he'll be a creative spark. And I just, I just don't think that's that's what it's going to be. You know, I think Wal Alden could be that, but he, he isn't because of the system. Um, and if Thiago is going to come in and basically uh, replicate his role in that side. Then there has to be an acceptance that you're probably not going to suddenly see, you know, eight or ten assists coming from from him in midfield. I don't I think he's putting those numbers up anyway in in Germany. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you there. Like, I don't, I don't think he would come in as this creative midfield that Liverpool has been desperate for for years and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, what what I would view him coming as a, coming as what as um a controller, you know, another, another mm. kind of orchestrator, which mm. people don't, as I said, people don't view Wijnaldum as, but that's how I perceive what Wijnaldum does, just super efficient, balance, control type figure in the middle of the park. Um, I think Thiago would, I think he's got, he's got less, probably less in him on the defensive side. But I do think on the ball, there's very few very few in, in world football who would who would be better at being the controller in your midfield mm-hmm. than, than Thiago would be. You know, I, I, can't be, I mean, I, I'm sure he'd be better than, than Wijnaldum in that regard. But I agree in terms of creating shot assists and stuff like that. I don't, I don't. That's not something I'd be expecting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so, that's it. Um, I, think, I, uh, I think it'd be a good sign, wouldn't he? Let's be honest, and, and I think it'd be nice. You know, from a Liverpool point of view, to maybe just recruit a a marquee name, I guess. You know, because it's it's quite often under the radar players who it's um, 
I mean, and whenever Liverpool sign someone, you do get excited about it because you know that it's going to be someone who's been well scouted and is going to fit whatever they're looking to do. Um, but I think it's always nice as a club to see a player come in who's, you know, undoubtedly world class um, and wants to come to the club as opposed to. I mean, he could probably go anywhere, couldn't he? In Europe, really, but yeah. it seems like he's quite keen to go to to Liverpool, which is a which is a compliment in itself, and it's probably something that. Uh, fans will be able to get excited about, I guess. Yeah, it's something that, as I said, we it's it's not confirmed at all. It's probably still very, very unlikely. Mm. I'm just surprised at how how much traction it's getting and how it hasn't been shot down yet. Hence why I've you know thought about it quite a lot. And I the, the only way in which I see this making sense is if Wine Album leaves. So, you know, Liverpool might know something we don't. It's that's been the case. Over the years, you know, Liverpool step ahead virtually every time. So, you know, maybe there's something out there that, that we're not picking up on. But I would be inclined to think that if if Liverpool do genuinely go after Thiago and actually end up bringing them to, to Anfield and all that sort of stuff, I don't think that I'd, I'd, think I'd expect my album to leave. Like, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, but we'll leave that one there anyway. Well, that's, that's, I think that's one to watch anyway. Maybe we'll go into it a bit more into a bit more detail if, if anything comes of it, but it's unlikely, but it was just a transfer link that, you know, we don't have to often get to address on this show, do we, considering the lack of business that we've done yeah, for like not really. You'd expect a little bit more, but no. Uh, that's probably the first, realistically, of this summer. I know, obviously, we're still in the midst of Premier League uh, action and things, but, yeah, you you know, you'd be expecting to cover a little bit more, and maybe we will in a few weeks. Yeah. Um. Now, we're not going to stay on either of these matches for too long, for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with the City game. Um, bad game. <laughs> it was not enjoyable. Mm. It was not... It, to be honest, it's it's going to be difficult. I'm getting the sense that it's going to be really tricky now for us to preview Liverpool's games and predict scorelines, especially for the remaining season, because they're, they're essentially friendlies, really, for Liverpool, at least. Friendlies that can result in a record being broken, but they're still friendlies. So, I think at City anyway, I think we started well. I think we had a few opportunities whereby if we could have used the moment better, we could have got a shot away, potentially even scored. We were sloppy in the final third, in my opinion. And when City got chances, they they took them. Mm. That was how I viewed it. Yeah, I was I was actually really annoyed at myself after the game for not sticking to my original prediction that we did at the top of the segment in the preview where I was like, I actually fancy City. And then once we talked about it, I was like, no, I think Liverpool will, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be a draw. But um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't surprised that they, that they won. I think what, what happened, in my opinion, in that game was, you know, if we look at the, the XG numbers and if you look at the scoreline, you think it was very one-sided. I don't actually think it was. Um, you know, City were 3-0 up at half-time and they had three shots on target. They were just really efficient. Um, mm. But even little things like, you know, the XG wouldn't have picked up on on that Mane chance in the, in the first half where obviously he doesn't get a shot off, so that wouldn't be picked up. But I thought that was a really big attacking chance. Uh, yeah, do you remember the one where it was? It comes through to him. He just miscontrols it. Type of thing that he he, he always um, he, he normally you know converts into a chance and probably a goal, but it just it was really a signal that Liverpool went from an attacking point of view weren't really at it. And I think when you go down um, two or three nil to City early on, it's it doesn't matter even if you are Liverpool. I think it's very difficult to find a way back into the game and. Yeah, just from a Liverpool point of view, quite lucky that that one at the end got chalked off as well, so it didn't look a little bit worse. Um, but yeah, it was just yeah. I expected it. I expected City to be really aggressive and want to get a victory after everything yeah. that happened, and and obviously it happened. And maybe it only takes Liverpool to be, you know, two or three percent off it, and at that level, you'll you'll get punished. Yeah, that that was my thoughts on it as well after the game. I think for me, the first goal was. It was quite important um, because I think the first goal, up until the first goal, City seemed a little bit shaky and they were building from the back a little bit recklessly. 
losing the ball, stuff like that. And it was it was almost it almost felt like a little bit of a lack of belief in comparison to the team facing the team who just took the title off them. But I felt like as soon as they scored and they took the lead, um, it gave them a boost, and it it usually Liverpool would respond. But they were, it, it felt like they were kind kind of caught in the mind of it does anyway sort of vibe, and I felt like they weren't the hunger to get back level. I don't know, it might have just been me, but the usual Liverpool response, fight back sort of thing, I felt like I never came. Mm, yeah. I, yeah, I know a lot of people were obviously talking about um, already being partying for the weekend and that kind of stuff. I don't I don't agree with that excuse. I, I do believe they wanted to win the game and they would have prepared right for it. I think they only had a day or two off after winning the title, but I just think it's such a psychological game, and even if you want to win and you're out to win it, as you said, it you just it. I think you just cannot replicate that mindset when you're pursuing a game, or um, you know, even individual battles. Maybe you just wasn't as as, yeah. as as on it as you as they usually are, um, and I just don't think that that can be fabricated. It just has to come natural naturally into the psychology of the game to to want to win it because you know it's part of a a grander scheme of things and said Liverpool have already done what they set out to do they won the league and you know it, it, it is as you touched on at the top there we're probably going to see a lot of this between now and the end of the season yeah I mean the expected goals on the day 2.65 to Manchester City and 0.82 for Liverpool that's according to one of the stats at least I think you're right in saying that Liverpool Liverpool's number there will will not reflect the amount of opportunities they got that didn't result in shots. And I think that stems from Liverpool's, you know, lack of potency high up the field really. We let a few opportunities just go to waste. And we I don't think we'd usually do that. Um yeah, I I was imp- I must say I was impressed with Phil Foden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's a serious player. Uh, I thought I thought Robertson on the day was in particular off it. Um, and I think what you said before, you know, I tweeted it after the match. It just takes a three percent drop off in intensity from say five players, and against City, it's going to really, really show. Like if you think of the the goal that I think Foden might have scored it, or De Bruyne might have scored it. There was a one-two between De Bruyne and Foden. Robertson danced out and got caught. Do you remember it? Yeah, Foden. I think that was well. I'm just thinking, like, you know, the, the usual Robertson split second, maybe he's a split second quicker and he wins that interception sort of thing. But as I said, if, you, if you're 2% off it and you're a tiny bit late and City can punish with you, punish you with a one two as, as quick and as quality as that, and it results in the ball finding the back of the net. I must say, I don't think um, that Liverpool drop off in that. In, um, focus or attitude or concentration or whatever you want to call it I don't think it would have resulted in anything like a 4-0 against any other team to be honest but I just think it was unfortunate to be against City mm. yeah. I think they can do that to any team yeah especially at home as well you know they, they have a lot of fragilities and we talked about a lot of them but I don't think they've met they've lost a fair few this season but I don't think a lot have come at home have they um I mean, it might be wrong. Someone might start laughing now and have the the record in front of them, but I can only think of one one off the top of my head. Wolves, there may be another one or two in there. Crystal Palace was that one, but you know, at home, even when they've been a bit inconsistent this season, um, they tend to be able to switch it on, and when they're on it, they, they are a really difficult side to play against. So, yeah, if you're not yeah. if you're not at your best, you will you will get punished. Yeah, they might have been a. And Manchester United result in there as well. Ah, sure. yeah, there was, yeah. There was, yeah, the United game because they'd done the double this year against them. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the Villa game, I I personally really expected a response. I expected, you know, a, a team that was hungry to prove that the City game was a one-off. Klopp obviously ring the changes and he brought in Oxlade Chamberlain and navigated into central midfield, which... Is always a talking point. And he brought in Diva Horigi for Roberto Firmino. Uh, you was at the game, Dave. Thoughts? Um, yeah, I, look, I, I didn't think it was a good Liverpool performance. I think 
and anyone who watched it probably agree with that. Um, I was disappointed with the midfield, certainly in the first half. I know we were texting weren't we, while the game was on. Um, I was Oxley Chamberlain and Cater didn't seem to work again. Cater seemed to be a much better player after the changes in the second half, but it just felt a little bit again. It just felt off it really. Um, and you know, Villa I thought had some decent chances, and again, maybe not necessarily in terms of shooting opportunities, although they did create some. But I thought if they were a little bit sharper in the final phase, maybe with the final ball selection, then they could have they could have maybe got a goal. Um, didn't happen then. Eventually, when Liverpool made the changes, they looked they looked much better, um, and it was all, it, it did feel like once the changes happened, and they they were hitting the stride a little bit that the goal would come. It does eventually, thanks to you know what was an unbelievable ball by Keita Tamane, uh, and then sealed later on with a good goal for for Curtis Jones. But yeah, a little bit disjointed again for me, Josh. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, I think I think for me, I'm not I'm not sure I'd I'd describe it as disjointed. It it just really we just really lacked intensity. I thought I thought we were shocking. Really bad day. Um, I know we ended up winning two 0 but I thought we were just terrible. <laughs> mm. um, if you look at the actual expected goals and stuff like that on the day, Liverpool posted next year of one point zero eight, and Villa um not point six nine. But Liverpool only had six shots. Mm. What was the timeline like on that XG as well? It must have. I bet you they mostly come after the hour mark. Yeah, Liverpool did virtually nothing until the uh, up until the goal. Liverpool's XG is not point north eight. That and that, that the goal was on the seventieth minute. Mm. Um, so we it just seems to be a bit of a kick out of nowhere. Funnily enough, shortly after the substitutes substitutions were made, mm. um, but six shots at home to the worst defence in the league is shocking. Mm. Um, four of them were on targets, obviously two of them went in. Um, and if you look at the locations of them, of the six shots, three were outside the box, and of the three that came inside the box, you know, obviously two of them were relatively clear cut, hence why they were scored. Mm. But um, if you look at the performance on a whole, you know that, that that does not that does not deliver you three points every week. And if it, if we want to keep going like that, I have a bit of a problem. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it comes down. I, I mean, what I will say as well, I I wouldn't even class Villa as a side who are great at sitting deep in a low block. Yeah, you know, I'm, I didn't even feel like they were sitting. I, I think as the game went on, I got a little bit deeper. But initially, I don't think they were that deep anyway. But. Um, Obviously, to be honest, for me, they, they, they were playing in the mid-block the whole Yeah, game. I was going to say that. But for me, they were in the mid-block as well. Um, no, I, I was on level with their defensive line, certainly in the first half. And there seemed to be a big emphasis. I don't know if, um, I don't know if they've been watching other sides against Liverpool. There seems to be an emphasis on dropping when needing to, but also making sure the line stays high enough to try and limit the spaces in, be- in between them and the midfield. And, you know, I guess it worked, but... I think there's a wider issue brewing now, and I'm keen for your thoughts on it. And just in terms of that, this four-three-three formation, it just never looks as efficient unless you've got your key personnel playing. And if only one or two of them are missing, it just doesn't feel the same for me. And I know we can talk and make excuses about the lack of intensity because of the game scenarios that we're in, where Liverpool aren't playing for that much. But it just it doesn't look the same, I think, and I, I reckon it's going to be something Klopp will have to address next year on whether he needs to start. If he's bringing in other players, maybe we need to just start thinking about a maybe a four-two-three-one as I touched on before, or just something a little bit different because I just don't think the balancing with across the side yeah. is the same. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. Um, if you look at Liverpool's team on the day. You know, it, I, th- I think the the players that Klopp usually rotates are the players who he can rotate, and we don't really suffer on the pitch. So I think Van Dijk's partner can be rotated. Mm. I think the two centre mids, either side of Fabinho, for the most part at least, can be rotated. Um, 
usually providing at least one of Henderson or Wijnaldum is still playing. That's the case. So you usually take one out sort of thing, but I agree in terms of the, the players who are quite specific with the profile, like Robertson, Mane, Salah, Firmino especially. Um, they, they really do define specifically how Liverpool attack. And I think one of the reasons we Villa were in the mid-block for the whole game was because we failed to force them into a low block. And one of the reasons we failed to force them into a low block for me was because Firmino so often is kind of like our, he's our vehicle into the final player, really. Mm-hmm. He's the man who, I mean, you called him an advanced pivot a few episodes ago. Um, he, he does kind of offer that. He, he's, he's the man who, high up the field, makes the ball stick. Whereas I think, if you look at Salah, look at Mane, risk takers, a bit raw, a bit erratic, hence why they're hard, hard to deal with, but in terms of keeping the ball, making the ball stick and stuff like that, you need Firmino to do that. And I think I think Origi especially, he cannot do it. And I must admit, I, I, it's painful watching Origi, I think. I've said before that when he doesn't score, he offers absolutely none. And this was another one of those for me. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, we have to be honest with Origi and, you know, you can be a bit of a cult hero, but also admit that he just isn't really good enough for this side. I think he, he could play a lot of sides in the Premier League. I think he is a, a quality player in, in some sense, at very least. But, you know, we're talking about the Liverpool are at the absolute peak at the moment that, you know, look at look what they've won, won in the last 12 months. You know, you, you, they're in company with the likes of Barcelona, Real Madrid at the moment. Um, they're in that tier. And Arigi isn't. You know, I don't... This isn't some sort of vendetta against them. I know he had a fantastic season last season in terms of big goals, but he just he isn't he isn't someone who can go into this side and without seeing a, a dramatic drop in quality. And I understand some arguments people have made about you'd struggle to find another striker who'd be willing to play so little uh, who has his quality. In some ways, I understand that point, but for me, I think Liverpool can kind of go for whoever they want at the moment, uh, player-wise. And I do think there's there's some players that could at least replicate the profiles a little bit better of who they already have and just make that drop when he does change the side less severe. Um, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just don't think he's, he's, he's good enough, unfortunately. No, no, I'm the same. And on the day, he played just over an hour, about 63 minutes. Didn't have a shot. And he didn't he didn't assist a shot either. So, zero key pass. Um, I think he... For, for every for every pass he completed, I think he... For every, sorry, for, for every two passes he completed, I think he gave the ball away once. I think he completed 16 passes and lost the ball eight times. I think... Um, and yeah, he's, I don't think it would have been that bad if we'd have played exactly the same team, but with Minamino playing. Because I think Minamino mm-hmm. vaguely in the Firmino profile in terms of drop-off and offering that link in the final third. But I think he can't do it. I I'm not too sure what he can do particularly well, to be honest. He's a difficult player to use. I think Klopp's been an absolute master at getting the best out of him and using what he has got, harvesting what he has got. But when you start him especially... It's just it's just painful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a little bit more on what I said before in terms of Liverpool having six shots at Anfield in the Premier League season. Liverpool average about sixteen. <clears throat> um, so six is obviously a considerable drop off. It's less than half our usual number, and that's against the team who have conceded the most goals in the league this season with 62. And in terms of expected goals against, they're also bomb. That's according to stats bomb. Expected to concede 61 goals. Mm. So it was, I don't know. I mean, they have been a little bit better since the restart defensively. But it just, I think that sums up, okay, we got the win and we move on, head in the sand. But this <laughs> this, this, this kind of show is supposed to be about performances, isn't it? Yeah, and that, that's the kind of performance that you know. If you keep if you keep performing like that, your your results are going to suffer sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. You know, 
And again, you acknowledge the point that you know, Liverpool have already won the league. We understand that, but um, I think you know Liverpool have been granted a very unique um, chance to kind of yeah rotate and you know play without any pressure in some extent. But you know the turnaround between the end of this season and the next is going to be fairly quick and. Okay, everyone's having a bit of a laugh at City again for getting beat uh, to Southampton, but I do believe City will come back strong next season. And you know, you really want to be building some momentum even at the end of this this season because it, it's going to come quick the next one. And Liverpool are in a position now the way the Premier League is and um, just how it's gone the last two years. You, every game needs to be a win, so it doesn't really matter whether it's the first game of the season, midway point or last. You need to start the season with wins, and Liverpool could just build some momentum here at the end of the season, you know, and kind of show that they're going to be ready to go when it when it starts up again. Um, and yeah, it just looks a little bit disjointed, and it, it might not, but you just don't want to be losing that confidence that you've that you've built and that winning feeling. I said they did win, yeah, but you know. It, it, you want to keep that good feeling um, and just that winning mindset in the side. Because yeah, last thing you want to do, come on, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think for me, you just you want to be deserving to win. Mm. You want to be putting games out of sight, and you don't want to let you know any kind of rot set in. Really, mm. um, maybe I'm being too harsh and stuff like that. And I was after the City game, I was understanding because City can do that to you. It only takes a small drop off. We started relatively threatening. The Villa game annoyed me more. Is that that's that's actually weird when you think about it? The Villa game annoyed me more, even though we won two 0 Yeah, <laughs> four 0 at City. Yeah, but I, I, you you mentioned before, you know, you were expecting the response a little bit. Um, I think we all were. You know, you expecting just a little bit of yeah, okay, it was an off night, but you know, this is Liverpool and this is what we do, and it just wasn't quite there against the side who were. Who were there for the taking? Probably going to go down this year. You know that they're the worst defensive side in the league, so you can kind of have a little bit of fun in front of goal, and it just didn't really seem like it was going to happen. And the problem is, if you started to get a little bit like this, I used the term disjointed, didn't I? If it started to just be a little bit like that, the field still got some tough games to come. Okay, they don't mean anything, but as I said, you don't want to lose that winning feeling um, at the end of the season. Um, just my opinion, anyway. You, you don't want to be losing that, and then starting a new season, having finished the, the previous one a bit naff, even if you did win the league. Yeah, I'm just looking at Liverpool's matches this season um, to see if we've taken fewer than six shots at any point in the season. And I've I've only had a glance, and my eyesight's not the best, but <laughs> I've only seen one match that even comes close, and that was away to Chelsea. We only had seven shots that day. Um, obviously, we won two, won two set pieces on the day, I think it was. But other than that, in the Premier League, at least, this is this is not including Champions League. But I don't think we've had as few shots as that in any other game. Mm. And that again, that's just... It, yeah, we had seven against Watford as well when we lost 3-0. So six against Villa. Nine against Everton away. Six against Villa is just oh, it's really bad. Um, but we've got Brighton next. So, do you have any thoughts on whether that will change, Dave, on Wednesday? Brighton away. Um, I mean, how's, that, how's the table looking now? I, I, I take it there pretty much. There or thereabouts in terms of safety, aren't they, Brighton? Just, yeah, I think the safe, yeah. Um, yeah. But we've described them before, haven't we, as quite a... I mean, they're undergoing change, obviously, but mm. because they're undergoing change, they're a little bit of a beige team at the minute, I think. Yeah. They're the, they're the side who I think could, you know, we say this every week, um, but there are side who I think Liverpool could, could do quite well against for that reason. And, you know, they are kind of going through changes. Poss has come in and implemented a new style at the club. Um, it's had plenty of teething problems and it even looked like they could be going down at one point. You know, they've kind of alleviated that fear now. And I think they are the side who could potentially end up having the flip-flops on a little bit. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of the sides in in perceived mid-table have actually got one eye on the European place because of how open it is, really, from 11th upwards. But they are in that pocket between 11th and 
you know, above the relegation fight where they, they haven't got anything to play for. And, you know, we, we've picked up on Liverpool not really being at it the last two games. I think no matter what Klopp says in, in the media, I think he'll be aware of that and he won't want to see this season kind of fizzle out with some off results. He'll have one eye on breaking that points total as well. So this could be actually a really good game for Liverpool to bounce back from a performance point of view rather than just the results. Yeah, yes, yeah, well done. The country 15th in the table, 36 points. And the team who is 18th, funny enough, Aston Villa, they're on 27. <clears throat> they're on 27, so nine points separating them now. So I'd expect that to be pretty much done with. Um, I watched Brighton last week. It might have been against Manchester United. I was quite surprised, actually, as, as to how how um, reluctant Brighton were. They were very much in the low block for virtually the whole game. Mm. And they got, they, got, they got battered, to be honest. Yeah. I think it, I think it finished 3-0. Could have been more, yeah. really, couldn't it? Yeah, and that was at home as well. Um, and he, even the sign that he put out, he, he put out a relatively, you know, all, all his creative players were on, seemed to be on the bench. He had more pay on the bench. He had Trossard on the bench, Alan Moy, um, Pascal Gross was on the bench. So it was, I thought it was quite weird. I'm not sure if, he'll, if he's prioritising the important games because he obviously beat Norwich, I think it was two days ago. We're recording on the Monday today. Um, just, yeah, just on, sorry, Josh. I'm just having a look now, and um, yeah, they've they've played two, four, six. They've played ten games against sides in the top six as things stand now, um, and they mm. haven't won any of them. You know, they've they've drew yeah, four. Yeah, drew four, lost six. Um, the the three games after against, losses been um, quite heavy. Well, you've got uh, 2-0 Leicester, 3-0 United, uh, 2-0 Chelsea, 4-0 City. Um, yeah, and then the, you know, 3-1 in there as well at United. So, yeah, they have, they, you know, it seems like they've been fairly well beaten in, in all of these games. And, you know, the two draws come against, um, the two draws with, yeah, nothing special. You got away from home, it was 2-0-0 against Leicester and Wolves. Um, and then 1-1 with Chelsea at home, 2-2 with Wolves at home. But, you know, the traditional top side, so you're talking your Liverpool, Cities, you know, United. Um, yeah, they've, they've, they've lost all of them games this season. So maybe there's this little bit of the inferiority complex as well playing a part in, in the tactics that they set up. Yeah, I'm just, just looking back here at the last time Liverpool faced them. It was at Anfield. Alisson, I think, actually got sent off. Yeah, yeah he, did. he did. Scored from the free kick, didn't he? Yeah, that was uh, Adrian still on his post. Yeah. Lewis Dunk slotted in the far corner. Mm. Um, but we won 2-1. It looked it looked like a deserving victory, to be honest, because up until the point of Alisson sending off, we've got an expected goals of around 1.4. And Brighton's was about 0.4. Mm. Um, up until, obviously, the goal was scored. I remember on the day being... Quite comfortable, and I don't think they offered anything on the attacking side. I think that them results you just listed off there against the top six. One thing I picked up on was how many times you said nil. You know, they, yeah, I don't, yeah. think, they, don't think they find the net particularly well against. Well, in in any in any week actually, because that's one of the things I've I've looked into for Brighton. We we were Brighton now, don't we? Yeah. Um, and one of the things I picked up on a few weeks ago was that it seems to take them. An abnormal amount of shots to actually find the net. I think Liverpool are the most, the most clinical in that department. I think Liverpool score once every six shots or something like that. It was, and I think Brighton were at the opposite end, scoring once every every eleven or twelve shots. I think the only team that had less of a cutting edge was Norwich. Mm. Um. So you know when when you've got. I suppose Van Dijk in your defence and Allison in your goal. I suppose that bodes well for Liverpool's defence. Well, just um, just on that, Josh, as well, it's probably worth flagging that that was a game where um, Van Dijk scored twice in the first half, uh, two set pieces as well. Um, that is very interesting. Yeah, so it's it's another one where, you know, especially if you've got your fancy football in mind, if you haven't crowded in like I have every week. Um, <laughs> now if you have Van Dijk and Trent in your team, you, you might you might get some extra points this week. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure the combination was both 
off those two for each of the goals in the first meeting. So perhaps a bit of a fragility there. And we know Liverpool tend to tend to punish sides who do have these set piece fragilities. So that could be one to watch. Yeah, I'm looking at them now. Just gonna watch the goals now. Maybe it's <laughs> being a an outside the box captain shout. Captain shout, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I need to make us. I'm a I'm, I'm panicking a little bit. I'm not doing well this this season. Um, yeah, I think the first goal actually wasn't a corner. The first goal was a, a free kick. Just ah, from, okay, yeah. It was from where um, where Trent usually delivers from. The free kick was was bang bang on there basically. So like a half space area. Yeah, towards yeah, the back. Yeah, I remember post. now. Yeah. And then the second one was a corner, Trent in swinger, and. Yeah, Van Dijk looks like he gets a free run at it, to be honest. Mm. Looks like such an easy goal. So, yeah, maybe you've pointed something out there. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the set-piece record is like for him this season. don't know if it's been a flaw or anything like that. I'm not even sure what he what marks on. But I'll double-check that one. But, it's, I mean, either way, Liverpool have got previous of already exposing it. Um, so, you imagine if, if, the, if the ball delivery is, is good, which it usually is, and it's towards Van Dyke, then then you've got a good chance of of obviously maybe bagging one or two set pieces like they did in the first game, which ultimately won the game. Yeah. And then after that, we have the final match that we're going to talk about today. Uh, Burnley, who are mm. somehow still getting results. <laughs> so I, it's uh, remarkable how they do it, isn't it? Yeah, I was I was looking at them this morning just for um I was doing a preview for for elsewhere, and they've they've only lost one in eleven Premier League games, which just really took me back. And it and it was that uh, City five nil game, which was one of them where they caught City when they were on it one day, and you know that's that sometimes with City. So yeah, I was, I'll be honest, I was quite surprised. Yeah, well, if you consider the resources and the squad, all the plays this season that that Chris Wilder's got at Sheffield United, and rightly so. But Burnley are only two points behind, and mm. before the last couple of games, before the last the last game week, I think they were actually ahead of them. Now, obviously, Sheffield is a bit different different for Sheffield United because they've just just been promoted. But I think if you look at the two squads, there's not a great deal of difference there mm. um, in terms of quality. But I think Maybe. Burnley just showcase <laughs> similar similar ability to just get points. I'm just looking at the table and uh, admittedly we're recording on the Monday and both of these te- two teams play each other tonight, but they're both Tottenham and Everton in the table. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just that, yeah. It's more than likely that one of those two, uh, they'll still, sorry, they'll still be above one of those two at the end of this match tonight as well. So, yeah, fair play to, to Sean Dice because we know they've had issues off the pitch as well, haven't they, with contracts and things. Um But yeah, the, it's one of them. Where it might be different up against Liverpool, of course, but don't seem to be a side that concede many or they haven't been recently um but then you know they don't score many either so not, they seem to be quite tight games you know last last yeah. five results uh, and this is taking out the city game the five nil because we know what happened there but it was one one against Sheffield united one nil win against palace one nil win against watford one one with tottenham and then nil nil with with newcastle yeah um if you look at their expected goals so you know how the attack sort of thing. They, they are fifteenth in the table, I think. Yeah, I think they're about fifteenth. Um, and it's worth noting actually that them goals that you've just mentioned there that they've scored. I think since the restart, all but one of the goals that they've scored have been from a set piece. Mm. So obviously they're they're not the most fluid and open play, but you know I, I mean they, they even scored from a set piece against Sheffield United. And nobody seems to be doing that. Sheffield United mm-hmm. seems to be really watertight from set plays, so I think that's quite impressive. Yeah. Um, and on the defensive side, Burnley are up up um, in the top half of the table, actually. Surprisingly, because um, I think in years gone by, they've been quite renowned for basically letting you have as many shots as you want, mm. but but they don't they don't tend to find a net, but. According to stats bombs numbers, um, they're about eighth in the table for expected goals against, with with a similar defence to to Everton and Sheffield United. Fully enough, 
Not bad then. They're two teams that Liverpool both Liverpool struggled to, to break down really. At, well, at, mm. at some point at least. Sheffield United the way and and Everton the way as well. Um, yeah. You mate? Yeah, all that I was literally just saying. Uh, I remember where the actual um, if it was a home or the way, but it's, a, it's at Anfield, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so. If we preview these two, then I'm going to include a massive caveat now every week. <laughs> I'm, going to say, I'm going to say, if usual Liverpool team turn up, what score do you think it's it's going to be? We'll go with Brighton first. Mm, you know what? Even with this one, I'll I'll pro- I'll, I'll back Liverpool. Um, even if they kind of play like they have been doing, just because I think. You might if two two teams are looking a little bit off off pace, you'd still back Liverpool out of those two. So, yeah, I'm I'm going with Liverpool. Um, maybe a comfortable two two or three nil. Uh, I'm gonna go three nil actually three nil. Similar to how United won that there. Yeah, I'm gonna go two nil. I I will be surprised if Brighton score. To be honest, mm. I know they did it last time, but as I said, Allison had just been sent off and it was a fluke from a free kick. And up until that point, they hadn't they hadn't offered much at all. So. I'm going to go 2-0 with the, for the Brighton game, providing, you know, as we say, Liverpool's usual, Liverpool's key personnel are in place. Otherwise, Liverpool just attack like a completely different team. Mm. And then Burnley. I'm going to play cast amongst the pigeons here and go uh, 1-1, actually. Just the way I'm seeing the week pan out, I could imagine Liverpool's are going to get back to the best against Brighton. But then I just think it's going to be really hard for them to, to turn it on and, you know, Burnley at home, and not a game that you got nothing to play for either. Whereas yeah. Burnley might still have half an eye on on potentially getting sneaking into Europe. So I just think they'll make it difficult for Liverpool and might just nick something. Yeah, probably sh- should say in response to that, Dave, that I think Liverpool have played seventeen home games this season and have won every single one. So yeah, I know. That. If if Burnley had the team to um, <laughs> put an end to that, I would be surprised. I'll be honest, but. The way we played against Villa, I would not, I would not put it past, put it past it. So, I think I'm going to go with the caveat. Usual Liverpool team. I'm going to go with two 0 Liverpool again. I think, mm. but you just, you just don't know the way we're performing the past two matches. Is it taking um, you back to the uh, to the Rogers days, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, no. No, not yet. Um, oh. We haven't seen Sterling playing as a wing back yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll leave it there tonight. So, okay. yeah, thanks for joining us anyway, Dave. Yeah, cheers, mate. Cheers, everyone. And we will be back next week. So, thanks for tuning in. Cheers. <laughs>